Hey, y'all can have a seat. Uh, if you will, if you have your Bible, you can turn to uh, 1 Corinthians, towards the back, and we will be in chapter 1. And as you're turning, first thing, that, uh, that song, When I Survey the Wonderful Cross, on which the Prince of Glory died. And I don't know if you're like me, but often I will sing, and, and the words really don't penetrate. Uh, but I love these old hymns because they are, they're so rich uh, and they're so deep with meaning. And think about this, the cross. And, and the cross here, I know this is wooden, it's a replica, but when Jesus died on the cross, I mean, those early Christians and then the early church, I mean, it was a, a symbol of shame uh, and scorn. Uh, the worst of the worst uh, were left to die there. Uh, not to get too graphic, but, uh, you know, they didn't always take the bodies down, uh, and they were, they were left there. I mean, it was just a, it was a place that uh, people were mocked uh, and left, literally, uh, to die. And then the, the words, the Prince of Glory, the Prince of Glory, the Son of God, uh, all glory, and that is, uh, uh, that is where he was left. That is what he was nailed to cross. You'll see this uh, other basket of nails here. What we want to uh, ask you to do, and I need to say it now because I'll probably forget, is that uh, if you choose to nail something, to let something go at the close of this service, uh, we encourage you to then take a nail uh, for the rest of this Lent season and hold on to it. Hold on to it to remember what you have let go of. Uh, remember more the cross that Jesus hung from, the cross Jesus died upon for you and for me. 1 Corinthians 1, I'm going to read verse uh, 18. Paul writes, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We'll come back to this passage. I, uh, I love movies. Um, I love some movies, uh, and I love some TV shows. 
Uh, I also love a phrase that has been made famous uh, by, by many people in many movies, many TV shows, uh, a phrase we're going to use tonight, and that is, let it go. Uh, let it go. Sound familiar? <laughs> let it go. And I'm going to choose, uh, or I've chosen two movies, one which you probably know, another you don't, and a TV show where this is used about letting it go. And again, the whole theme right now, tonight, is, you know, what do you need to give? What do you need to let go? Uh, the first one, uh, even though we all know it so well, uh, we may not have really understood what was being let go, uh, is, anybody want to take a wild guess? It's kind of cold, perfect for today, frozen. There you go, frozen. And it is, and I, I get them confused. I still haven't seen the whole movie. I'm probably the only guy in the world. But it's Ilza, right? Elza? Ilza? Elza, excuse me. Elza. Elza. Elza with an E. Elsa. Elsa. Okay. Good, uh, some good Norwegian blood here, I'm sure. Uh, Elsa. And, you know, so she comes off and she starts singing, let it go. Uh, now, what is she letting go? I don't know if y'all ever thought about that. You, you don't have to answer. You may burst out. But, but what is she letting go? Uh, I think what I see, she's letting go what people think of her. What people think of her. Uh, so my question to y'all, and this is a very pertinent question, uh, not only in the culture of the world, but in the culture where we live. When are you going to let go what people think of you? When is that going to stop defining who you are? Uh, and not that uh, you have the image of God on you, and if you're a Christian, you're a child of God, an adopted son or daughter of God. Uh, but too often... Uh, in my life ministry and in my life in the heart, like me, we can be defined by what other people think of us. And our faith, God's word pushes us, let it go. Let it go. Know a different identity. That God created you and there are no accidents. There are not just no accidents in Christianity, there's no accidents in you. Color of your hair, Shape of your nose, I have a pug nose, no accidents, okay? Height, weight, intellect, gifts. God created you perfect in his eyes. And when you become a Christian, you're a son and daughter of the Lord. That's our identity, not what people think of us. And when are we going to let go in defining ourselves by how others think of us? Social standing, career, net worth, network. When? Just a question. Just saying. Move to another movie. Uh, one of my favorite movies. Um, some of y'all probably uh, will relate, will know. Uh, it is Indiana Jones. Okay? Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which was the third Indiana Jones movie. And there's a scene there at the very, very end. Uh, anybody remember what Indiana Jones is searching for the third movie? Holy Grail. Holy Grail. Holy Grail. What does the Holy Grail do? Holy Grail is supposed to, in history, supposed to heal and also supposed to give everlasting life. And Indy and his dad uh, was searching for the Holy Grail, uh, which is interesting, the cup of Christ, which I always find, you know, they're searching for the cup, not the cross. They're searching for the cup, not Jesus. But they're searching for the cup of Christ. But they're searching for what everybody really wants, everlasting life to live forever. And so there's a scene at the end 
where, uh, you know, they're in this cave. Uh, it's actually in Petra in, uh, I don't know the country, but Middle East, Petra. And uh, that's where it's filmed at. And so they're inside, not inside, but they're inside. And, you know, uh, one of the Germans um, tries to drink of the cup, drops it. And all of a sudden, the ground breaks open. Um, rocks move up. Rocks move down. They're chasms, which is eerily uh, similar if you look in Deuteronomy. Uh, God uh, does the same thing to some of the Israelites, and they fall down into the abyss uh, of Sheol, or the underworld in Deuteronomy. And so there are a lot of biblical images going. So anyway, there's a chasm, and there is another, actually Elsa, another blonde too, uh, if you've seen the movie, named Elsa. And she is German, and she's trying to get the Holy Grail. And so she's reaching for it, and then she gets knocked down, and she's, you know, she sees it. Indy's holding her up. I don't think Indy loves her, but he may love her in a different way. And so he's like, Elsa, Elsa, you know, you know, I can save you. And he's holding on to her. He's like, no, I can get it. I can get it. I can reach it. He's like, no, Elsa, listen to me. It, you know, he's like, I can get it. And if you remember the movie, her hand slips out of the glove, and she falls uh, into the abyss, uh, into the underworld, which I think is, I think there's this message, you know, like you're searching for everlasting life, and you fall into the underworld. So then, Indy falls as well. His dad catches him. He sees the grail has not slipped in, and he's then saying, I can get it. Dad, I can get it. Dad, you know, it's like you said, you've been searching for this all your life. I, I got it. I got it. And then his father says very softly, he says, Indiana, let it go. Let it go. And he gets it rescued. They ride off into the sunset. But that moment, and I think about this, you know, the dad has been searching all his life, and, and the son, even though he didn't search for the grail, he's always searching for a legacy to be known in history, even though it's fictional and all that. Uh, it's very, um, very relevant, I think, to us in that we seek a legacy. We seek fame or fortune or just being known. And there it was in Indy's grass, and his dad let it go. Let it go. And so often for us, our, our searches for those things, whether you call it fame or fortune or your name, you know, Tower of Babel, if you know your Bible, uh, it was let us make a name for ourselves. In Genesis, let us make a name for ourselves. Searching for a great name, that your name would live on in history. Let it go. The last, and this is different from the other two. It's a TV show, but it's kind of a different slant on it. You know, we can control, you know, we'll, we'll let it go from what people think of us. We'll let it go our search for fame. The last are things you can't control. TV show is Lost. Who loves Lost? Wolf again, I know you, we're tracking Lost. Favorite TV show. And there is a scene, season one, character, got some doctors in the house, Jack. I love Jack. It's my favorite character. Love the name Jack. Love my Jack. Jack is, you know, he's initially the hero of the show. And he's saving everybody. Really, the first whole season is Jack saving everybody. Uh, and he, you know, they, they put him up to be the leader, the guy, the man. He's a doctor, saving folks. And then there's a time late in the season where old up Boone. I love Boone. Remember Boone? Love Boone. And Boone uh, is a young guy who, uh, you know, Jack's kind of mentored throughout. And Boone has an injury, and, uh, and Boone's not going to make it. But Jack's determined that he's going to make it. And he does everything up to the point 
you know, and I don't know all the, you got physicians here, I don't want to embarrass myself, but, you know, usually do. You know, his legs hurt and it gets into internal bleeding and stuff. And Jack's just, man, if I, if I take off his leg, you know, he'll make it. And everybody's saying, no, Jack, no, Jack. And then at a point, Boone looks up to him and he says, Jack, let me go. Just let me go. And, you know, I, I mean, I remember being convicted in that scene because um, I can relate to Jack in, in kind of wanting some control of things and then getting hit with life with these things that you can't control, um, such as death, um, such as grief, uh, such as cancer, such as these, these things that life throws. And we still want to control it. Um, you know, and I think a big point of maturity for Christians is when we realize and we stop trying to control everything. We realize that we can't. Uh, and in that situation, you know, for Jack, it was, I can't control it, I've got to let it go. Got to let go of control. Let it go. Uh, Lent is, uh, you know, first thing I always think about Lent, probably many of y'all, is, is give up. You know, you know what are you, you going to give up? And you give up uh, something or another. You don't have to, you don't have to share that. I, I like to think of it more about letting go. Uh, now, letting go can add something. As in, like, I'll let go this time to add more quiet time. Uh, I'll let go some desires in my heart to incorporate desires of God into my life. Or uh, I, I'll let go of things that, that are a burden or that are holding me back, and I'll intentionally take time to think about uh, what should uh, be cast out uh, of my life. Look, that can often be in a relationship too. Uh, it can be a habit. You know, it can be a person. I'm just saying. And say, like, you know, what needs to go. And often, though, that, that this is really key. And, you know, if you remember nothing else tonight, I hope you remember this other than Elsa or, you know, Indiana Jones. Remember that often we, 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 we confuse links. We're like, all right, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to give it up. And it's going to be, you know, my effort. I can do it. I can do it. You know, I can quit. I can quit this habit. And we focus so much on, on what we can do uh, on our effort. And, and always, not usually, not 90% of the time, always, that leads us to failure. Failure. We will pick up the bad habit. Uh, we'll pick up the phone uh, late at night from that person that we should not pick up the phone to. We'll, it, it will not suffice on our own efforts. If you look to the cross and what Jesus has done, then you can do things in a different way. The message of Christianity is not what we do. The message of Christianity is what Jesus has done. And when you rest in what Jesus has done, it changes what you do. I always tell folks, you know, so often, you know, I learned Christianity, uh, don't drink, don't smoke, don't have premarital sex. You know, I mean, that's what I thought of, I mean, that's Christianity. You know, you don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Christianity is not that. Christianity is what someone, fully God, fully man, has done. And when you believe that, when you put faith in that, when you trust in that, when you rest in that, then you want to do these other things and you want to live in a different way. His actions impact our actions. Our actions do not force his actions. Our actions do not save us. His action has saved us. Really important to know. That's, that's the gospel. And so as we move into like letting go or giving up, or taking on, please, 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 don't base it on your efforts. 
Base it on the cross. Give it to him. That's why I remember the nail. Remember what Jesus has done. Now, I want to turn to Job because uh, in fairness, I'm trying to, we're doing a, uh, a series on Wednesday night in Job. And it is called Saved and Suffering. It's a Bible study. And so I'm not just really trying to work Job into this message, but I think that this gives us some, uh, even though I am, I think it also <laughs> gives us uh, a pointer in letting go and letting go the right way. Job 8, uh, I'm just going to highlight a few verses, but you've know, been talking about Job. Job had everything. He lost everything. Uh, had it all, and then God took away uh, Everything, and not just wealth, but his health uh, and his family. And then he's got some friends that come and try to encourage him and try to say, you know, you know, pick yourself up, all this. And Job is, you know, pretty blue, uh, pretty upset. And then this one friend in Job 8, I was reading this, I was reading through, and he said some interesting stuff about how we should live our life, okay? And he's talking about how uh, we can center our life on God, or we can't, and, and what that looks like. So this is Job 8, and I'm going to read a couple verses. Verse 5, starting out, this is a friend, Bildad, and he says, If you will seek God and plead with the Almighty for mercy, if you are pure and upright, surely then he will rouse himself for you and restore your rightful habitation. And though your beginning was small your latter days will be very great. Now, I, I read that. I'm really encouraged. It says, if you seek God, he's going to do good for you. Uh, you could read that and say, if you seek God, he's going to bless you. Uh, you could actually, you know, pull forth from that, you know, the prosperity gospel. That's not what we preach or teach. But if you just read it, if you seek God, you're going to be great. You're going to be great. And, and often, that is why some folks seek God. Like, well, if I seek God, if I get my life in order, he's going to bless me. If you read through the rest of Job, uh, that is not initially the case. But there's some truth in Bildad's words saying, if you seek God, he's going he's gonna to be there. He's going to reveal himself. Then it goes down, and he compares two types of plants. Verse 11, can papyrus grow where there is no marsh? Can reeds flourish where there is no water? While yet in flower and not cut down, they wither before any other plant. Such are the paths of all who forget God. The hope of the godless shall perish. His confidence is severed, and his trust is a spider's web. That verse really impacted me. A spider's—I don't like spiders. Think about a spider. His trust is a spider's web. Um, you know, just think about how a spider's web can break. Think about how you can get all wrapped. You know, uh, you know I don't really want to think about that. But you know, a spider's web. Your trust is a spider's web. Those who forget God. He leans against his house, it does not stand. He lays hold of it, it does not endure. Then he contrasts, there's another plant. A lush plant before the sun. His shoots spread over his garden. His roots entwine the stone heap. He looks upon a house of stones. If he is destroyed from his place, then it will deny him, saying, I have never seen you. Behold, this is the joy of his way, and out of the soil others will spring. And Bildad here is comparing, you know, if your life is not centered in God... There's nothing. It's going to dry up. If your life is centered in God, there will be fruit. There will be growth. And so that is a lesson for us. I mean, tonight, through Lent, we've got to be centered in God. If we don't have God, it, it's going to be dry. It's going to be barren. If we do have God, there will be fruit. Last couple of verses. Behold, 
And this is verse 20. Behold, God will not reject a blameless man, nor take the hand of evildoers. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouting. So he's ending with, if you base your life in God, you're going to end up, you're going to have laughter, you're going to be happy. He's not going to reject a blameless man. Now, there is some truth to that in saying God's going to be with you, God's going to be for you, he's going to help you out. Uh, but there is also, this, this is not the end of the story. If, if you just ended there, you could take Job 8, and you could, really, you could really say the same thing that other religions say. You know, look to God and he will bless you. If you just do good, you're going to be good, and God will bless you. That is religion, and that's morality. It's not the cross. It's not the gospel. It's not the Christian faith. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa it's, it's the Bible. So, the Bi- yeah, the Bible, everything points to the cross. You have to read Job in light of this, the cross. Because, see, I love this verse too, verse 20. Behold, God will not reject a blameless man. What's also key to you, for you to know, God rejected a totally blameless man. His name is Jesus Christ, who was fully, completely blameless, perfect. And God rejected him on the cross for you and for me. So if you just ended here with Job, you're like, yeah, that's good, but it's not the whole story. The rest of the story is God showed his love for us by rejecting that blameless man as payment for our, our void, our stain, our blot, our sin for you and for me. And it's done on the cross. So then, you're like, man, I, I kind of just like to, you know, look to God and he'll bless you. Again, that's religion. And you go back to 1 Corinthians. That's why Paul writes, the cross is folly to those who are perishing. To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's why the cross is foolishness to some folks. Some folks would say, well, if I just seek God, then he'll bless me. Christianity is no... Christianity is saying that God will bless you when you give your life to the one who was on the cross. That the cross was the payment. Jesus. And so then if you go on 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about it. It's like, you know, people and the world want signs. People want wisdom. We preach Christ crucified. We preach we can't do it on our own. Jesus has done it. We preach there's something in us, there's a void that can't be filled. It is uh, wanting people's approval. Uh, it is wanting fame and a legacy. Uh, it is wanting control. And we always want it. Always. We give it up daily. I give it up daily and still want it. And so God said, I'm going to make what is foolish, what is despised in the world, wisdom. That Jesus will pay the price with his life on the cross. So we rest in that. And say, look at what Jesus, look, the prince of glory on the old rugged cross. That's the gospel. You have to see that. And so many of us get just tricked into, well, seek God and he'll bless me. It's no. God gave his son for us. And then, you know, I'm just going to finish up here, but this is important too. When you believe that, you're called. I hit on that a couple weeks ago. I hit on that talking to people one-on-one. Paul says, consider your calling. All of your call. When you, when you trust in Christ for your life, 
He does have a new life for you. He does have a better life for you. It may not be our vision of a better life, but it is a calling. And that doesn't mean go and be a missionary in, you know, Timbuktu or, or wherever. No offense to Timbuktu. It doesn't mean be a pastor. It might. It might mean being a missionary. But it means uh, in your work, and sometimes your work is being a stay-at-home mom, but in your life you have a calling to seek the kingdom, to raise the kingdom. And he will empower you as a wife, as a mom, um, as a single girl, single guy, as a brother, as a sister, as a parent, as a church member, as a missionary. You have a call. Church's role, I believe, one of the biggest roles we have is to help people discover their call, that they have a call and find out where it is. And that's what we want to do. You have a call, but it's centered in Jesus. And then just closing here, Christ Jesus, verse 30 in 1 Corinthians again, in him righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that, as it is written, let one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Righteousness, the right way to live. You want to live the right way, look to Jesus. Sanctification, it means growth. You want to grow, we want you to grow. Jesus, it begins and ends in Jesus, growing like him. And redemption, it's saved. We need saving. Jesus saves us on the cross. Therefore, we can't boast in ourselves. We can't say, look at what I've done. We can't say, look at how great uh, I am or look how great we are or look how great our church is. I always say it like this. I don't, I don't want us to ever say we have a great church. I don't say we have a great God. I, I always want to say uh, we don't want a great church. We want a great city for his kingdom. Because it's not about us. It's about what he has done. And so tonight we can at least begin to remember what he's done on the cross. And I hope over the next 40 days, as you hopefully hold that nail and then you let go, you realize it's not on our own strength, it's not on our own power. Because if you try to quit, 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 quit over and over again, you're going to fail. But if you look at what Jesus has done, I, I believe this, he will give you the power to let go and live a new life. And it's an abundant life. And yes, there will be struggles. And yes, there will be, you know, potholes. I mean, we live in Jackson, okay? So, but seriously... There will be bumps. That's why we have the church. But God's word, Job, Paul, drawn us right here to the cross. And say, if you look to that, you can let things go, and they'll be gone. What are you going to let go? Seriously, what are you going to let go? I'm going to close in prayer, and then if those who help and serve communion would come forward, we're going to take communion together. And then I want you to already be thinking, what am I going to let go? What am I going to give to Jesus? What am I going to look to Jesus to keep, to hold? Colossians says Jesus covers our sins. He covers it. It's gone. What are you going to let go? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that uh, there are people here who want to know your word, want to know the connections, that don't want to just... Uh, live a religious life. I want to be centered in Christ. Uh, dear Lord, over the 40 days, I pray you would stretch us. Uh, stretch us to, to the cross. That we'd look more to the cross. That in the cross, we would find our salvation. That we can't save ourselves. We would find the power to let go. And not on our will or our efforts. Uh, but that it's in you. And, and we would truly rest. We'd rest in the finished work of Christ on the cross. That in the cross, on the cross, is our salvation. 
we thank you. We praise you. We, I, we can't com- comprehend how, how awesome you are in giving us life and blessing us with gifts, blessing us with, with a family, a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ. So I pray for everybody here. We, we've all got struggles. We've all got challenges and, and bumps in the road. And I, I do pray specifically essentially that you would center us in the work of Jesus this this Lent season. We would let it go and we'd give it all to you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen.